Amen. Good morning, church. Good day to be here. Someone's really excited. That makes me happy. If everybody laughed and giggled like that as church started, y'all, that's, that's like saying sick them to a bear. A preacher gets excited about that. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation uh, chapter 21 and chapter 22 today. Uh, we are in our third week of five-week series talking about uh, heaven uh, and, and what awaits for us out there. And it's been amazing as I've kind of been on this study and this journey and, and where we'll land today is we, we are really interested in things and, and not that we won't talk about those things, but uh, what really is captivating um, is the one who is there. And I don't want us to lose thought of that uh, as we prepare our way into it. Today we're talking about uh, what will heaven be like. And, and it's interesting to think about that um, we've gotten to go to New York um, for school trips with kids and things like that before uh, in, our, in our life. And Ashley and I were up there not long ago. And I was amazed in New York that out of all of this incredible architecture, the thing that is the most prized in all of New York is the thing that man didn't make. It was the, the grass in Central Park. It's the age of the trees and and, and things like those things. I think about places like uh, Disney World. It's the most magical place on earth. And uh, the reality is, is those look very dim compared to what my mind can imagine with streets of gold and, and the reflection of God's beauty. And so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the creativity of, of, of mind and imagination that God's given to men. In fact, I think it's God-given and we use it for the wrong purpose uh, as things we do. But, but in, in reality, that is kind of that testimony and that's that proof that there is so much more than what our mind can conceive of and what our eye could understand. And so we're going to be talking about that a little bit today. I, I probably won't answer every question that you have uh, about what will heaven be like. And there's a reason for that. I haven't been there and visited. I don't have a firsthand testimony from that. What we do have is a testimony is the one that came from heaven to earth and his spirit testified through people. But, but through that, just want to start off every week just trying to answer a question and um, this one kind of hits close to home with a lot of folks, so uh, I want to handle it biblically, accurately, and carefully for everyone. And, and that is, will there be animals or pets in heaven? Right, And so I, I want you to know, some of you are like me. You literally don't have a dog in this fight. Amen? Like you literally are, are fine without it. We, we have a, a puppy dog at the house. And when we got her, um, we said, we just want a dog that's not a dog. So if there's such a thing out there, that's what we wanted. So, um, but it's a real question is, will there be animals in heaven? Will there be pets in heaven? And, and in short, will there be animals in heaven? The easy answer is yes, absolutely, undeniably. Um, you can look at Isaiah chapter uh, 65, verse 25. It says, The wolf and the lamb will gather and graze together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. Uh, the dust, that means oxen won't be running from the lions. Uh, the dust shall not be, uh, shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt, destroy all my holy mountains. So absolutely um, there'll be animals in heaven. In fact, I think if you look back to the Garden of Eden, uh, and what we'll be talking about today even is that we are not returning. God is not like bringing us back there. That was like a foretaste of all the incredibleness that's to come. But God's plans aren't thwarted, and we'll talk through that today. And, and so therefore, I think that animals served a purpose 
uh, in the Garden of Eden uh, in, in a lot of different ways, from, from work, which I think existed before the fall, uh, to uh, general joy and things like that. So, so since the animals were in the Garden of Eden, uh, since Scripture points to lion the lambs, if you re- read Revelation, there's horses all over the place, things like that. So I think the answer is yes. Now, will your pet Schmoopy be in heaven? Um, I loved listening to incredible godly men and women answer this question because I thought they're going to be way better than I did. I think one of my favorite was, well, the Bible doesn't say that, but God can do whatever God wants to do. Um, I I think here's the key when we think about animals. Um, You and I are made in the image of God, and therefore we are unique in all creation, right? And so that needs to be the truth that we don't let anything else get into. You are not the same um, as a cat, right? You're not the same. You don't, you don't hold the same value. God loves all creation, but, but you're made in God's image. You're, a, a cat is not, um, you know, a possum, uh, so to speak. You, there's a difference between mankind, men and women, and all the rest of creation. And that includes angels that we talked about last week. So I think when we don't muddy that up, that it makes things more clear um, with how creation could work. But I loved everybody squirming around this answer um, as it goes to it. But because scripture does talk about you and I having a spirit, um, but not anything else um, in, in creation that way. But I love the answer but God can do what God can do. Some of you are like, I do not want my pet in heaven. I have put up with it for a long... <laughs> Some dogs can go to heaven, but not all dogs, you know, kind of a, an idea on it. So um, just a, a word for you. I, I do think that's, that's a, a clear one as far as animals we go. And, and that kind of is a reminder of what heaven will be like. <clears throat> I, I've, I've shared with you before, lots of reading, most of like the most meaningful deep. Anytime I'm sitting in a room of pastors and they're like, what books are you reading that makes an impact on your life? And these guys are reading these books and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, like Chronicles of Narnia. And I am, y'all, I just love thinking in pictures. And one of my favorite books in the Chronicles of Narnia is the book that no one ever makes it to. It's The Last Battle, right? It's not, it's not been made into to a movie. It would fall short if it did. Um, but The Last Battle, if you're, if you're not familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis wrote it. Um, and it's children's tales that start about with how creation could have begun in this mythical land called Narnia and these children from earth get to visit this land and and it talks about how much beautiful how beautiful it is and how incredible it is and takes us through the journey talks about uh the lion Aslan and he is this um image this this character that represents uh Christ and just all kinds of things well the last battle is when the children and Narnia is wiped away uh, and the children uh, die in their family and all the loved ones they know die and, and the, at the end of it uh, they go to a new land and when they get there words start to fall short I, I love C.S. Lewis who is fantastic with words he really still start, starts to fall short um, in this and, and I love it but here's some of the words, and I'll read some bits and pieces of it this week to stoke your imagination, and I'll read some next week. As next week, we talk about what we're going to do in heaven, and there's some overlap. 
But as they get there, one of the characters is a unicorn. So C.S. Lewis obviously was okay with animals uh, in heaven as well. But said the unicorn cried. Now listen to this. I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all of my life. but I never knew it until right now. The reason we love the old Narnia is that sometimes it looked a little like this. Come further up and further in. I've I've read this book so many times, my imagination runs with every word. But I thought, what an incredible way to describe this indescribable moreness. And as we talk about heaven, it's the word more that just keeps coming over me. It comes over my mind and my, my heart as it goes into it. Is that, is that some of the reasons why we love this world so much is it, it reminds us, it, it tastes of what is to come. And scripture from Genesis to Revelation points to that, to the, the promised land. It's, it's a taste of something better and there's even more to come. You know, we, we look to Eden, we see this perfection and we see creation fall and, and these things. And, and this whole picture is that there's, there's something more. And so when you think of heaven and when you think of trees, you know, I, I want you to know I, I, I love the imagery because it's going to look like trees. I think when the Bible says trees and it says water and, and land, I, I think it's going to be those things, but they're going to be more. And so I just want to walk with you today uh, for a little bit um, through the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22. We'll bounce around a hair, but if you're a park, if you're a camp person, this is where we're going to camp out. Um, but, but here's this idea I want you to put in your mind is that what we're reading about, last week we talked about, there's no separation uh, and those kinds of things coming together, that, that the new heaven and the new earth is like creation reborn. Like if I were just to give you a, a, a picture of that, that's the best picture that I could probably paint for you. I'm just gonna be, be uh, emphatic in that. But listen to the words of the Holy Spirit inspired um, and, and using the pen of John, the disciple, in uh, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 through 7. Don't go far. We're going to skip around. Um, this is a great family reading and conversation for later on. Verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and that sea was no more. And I saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God will be, excuse me, and God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4 He will wipe away every tear from their eye death will be no more neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain or any more of the former things that have passed away and and he who was seated on the throne and behold I'm, i said i am making all things new write it down 
for these words are trustworthy and true. And this is what he said. This, these are the words that are trustworthy and through, true. I am done. It is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water with, uh, of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have his heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Church, all the way through, if you were to just scroll through the pages of Isaiah and the prophets into this, you would see part of what is eternal that we, that we look forward to, that we long to, is a relationship with God that is so clear, so that is written, that there's no more teachers that are needed. You, you know, I, I will be out of work in heaven by the grace of God because we will be taught by the King of kings and Lord of lords and he will write his word on our heart in such a way that it never removes back and so when we think about heaven what I want you to think about is this idea that it's creation reborn no longer bearing the mark of sin but bearing the mark of the Lord in every angle at every turn and and the picture here in verse um in chapter 21 when he says the new Jerusalem verse 2 comes down from heaven and he says the dwelling place of God is with the dwelling place of man uh, there were two markers in the old testament that, that we really want to look to. And, and the other one is referenced here later on in chapter 21, which is the, the temple. And we'll, we'll get there a little bit. But, but this idea of Jerusalem, this was God's holy city. This was, this was really that marker, that token um, of that. So you kind of had the promised land was a token of God's blessing, like it's his, his land, so to speak. Then you had New Jerusalem, kind of as God's holy city, then that. And then you had this idea of God's dwelling, this temple as it comes into play. And the temple as it, as it looks at is, is the place where like God touched, so to speak, and the communion communed with just a, a few people. And, and what's amazing about this whole new, big, incredible picture is this, is that God's place is here. In other words, it's not just the city, but it, God's coming. It, it's this establishment that it's all his kingdom. Like his reign, his city is present. And, and so instead of just having markers, like it is. And the fact that a temple won't be there, it's because it won't be needed. And we'll talk about what that looks like. But, but this promise of God's presence of his city being here heaven and earth together it's for us but it impacts everything listen to what paul writes in romans chapter 8 verse 19 through 23 this is this is incredible as we look forward to it for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of god for creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that, all, that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption to, and obtain the freedom and the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons and redemptions of our bodies. So, so what Paul gives us is a way to understand chapter 21. 
Church, do you know that you and I being made new are a first fruit, a testimony to all creation? I mean, this should... This should really change us in a little bit. If you want to prepare for heaven, I mean, part of it is is really caring for the things around you. I, I mean, really, church, this is convicting to me. But yard work should be a delight. I know it sounds, I'm, don't leave. But you know what I mean? Like, Lord, I, I just want to make the first fruits of what you've done that whatever I touch, taste the blessing of God. That I want to steward creation like you told me in the garden. That I want to steward relationships like it was supposed to be in the garden. That I want to care for myself. That just everything that you touch through me just tastes a little bit more like you. Now here's the great thing. That would just be practice. When you go to heaven, everything tastes like him. Everything is touched by him. And so if you could go find the most beautiful gardens in all the world that were spared no expense spending money on them, those gardens are a taste of what the gardens of heaven will look like. Like they, they can't compare to it. And so when we talk about the new heaven and the new earth, what it will be like church we won't miss that God's touch is there go with me to chapter 22 verse 1 through 5 chapter 22 verse 1 through 5 says this and this is wonderful <clears throat> the angel of the Lord showed me a river of the water of life bright as a crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb through the middle of the street of the city also on either side of the river the tree of life it with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding fruit in each month the leaves were for the healing of the nations no longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of god and the lamb of god will be in it and his servants will worship him and they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more they will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever listen when you see words like the tree of life when you talk about the river and those things remember those take us back to Eden again and the renaming of this tree of life it's, it's potent because it's a reminder that the Lord's plans can't be thwarted. So, so chew on that with me for a little bit as you think about what heaven will be like. In the Garden of Eden, let me, let me take you back there. The Lord formed it, he placed it, and then he placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was not all of creation. It's kind of an interesting thing, but it was a specific place. And when Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 that the Lord set angels outside of that, right? With flaming swords. Why? So that men and women who were broken and fallen would not eat of the tree of life. God made it off limits. And, and, and so why would, this is incredible, why would God make the tree of life off limits to a broken people? Just a plus B equals C because God loves us too much for us to be in a broken state and remain that way forever. God loves us too much. So in Revelation chapter 22, 
God says, my plans weren't thwarted by sin in the garden. My plans weren't thwarted by that serpent in the garden. My plans weren't blown up by Adam and Eve in the garden. When he brings back around to Revelation chapter 22, what he's saying is, is these leaves, this fruit of this tree, it's for healing. It's for life-giving. It's to perpetuate what has been done that is good, church. God didn't need a plan B when he thought about creation. He thought of plan A because he does not abandon his plan. He does not abandon his will. And so when we read the promises of the Old Testament, we read them in the New Testament, we read them to the day, when we think about heaven, I want you to be able to picture what it will be like realizing that all the plans of God will not be thwarted. So when you look into the Old Testament, when you look at the descriptors, when you look about what relationship is with God, all of those things are certain. And when we see this tree of life imagery back here in Revelation 22, we are reminded that even eternal dwelling with the king of kings and the lord of lords won't be thwarted and that really plays in well into next week about what we'll be talking about is what will we do in heaven because if god's plans won't be thwarted then we can at least have a taste of some of the things and responsibilities that we'll have so what will heaven be like well first of all it will reflect the lord's design unchanged untouched by sin I tried to imagine it and I'm, I'm encouraging you to do this but Lord I like the fall when the leaf change, changes color Man, I, can you imagine I wonder if the leaves in heaven will change color without dying because they reflect life in their changing and not death in their changing have you ever thought of that that a lot of the change that we see, the stuff that we love, is we delight in the death of things. But in heaven, because the Lord's plans won't be thwarted, what if the change reflects the life of things? C.S. Lewis, in another part of it, before we go on to verse 5 of chapter 22, <clears throat> he's quoted and he says this. And again, he says about Narnia as his imagery. He says, the difference between the old Narnia and the new Narnia was like that. One was a deeper country. Every rock, every flower, every blade of grass looked as if it just meant more. I can't describe it any better than that. If you get there, you'll know what I mean. Look at verse 5 in chapter 22. In Revelation verse 5, in chapter 22, it says, And the night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever. And I started to think about this. Not only will all of creation reflect the Lord's design, because it can't be thwarted, it will reflect His light. The Lord will illuminate everything. There won't be a need for the sun. There won't be a need for these lesser lights because the greatest light will be there. Now, now chew on this because this one we can picture. Have you ever been on, on the coast of a beautiful beach and looked out in the water? If, if you've only been to Galveston, that's not what I'm picturing. So we, we grew up for about four and a half years of our life in Panama City, Florida before it was really crowded. Uh, we'd pick up shells and enjoy life a little bit. 
the water was incredible. It was just beautiful. I, I love looking. I don't love going out into the water so much, but I love looking at the water. But, but do you know the same water can look dramatically different in the afternoon than it does in the morning? Have you noticed that a sunny day at the beach, the water looks beautiful, crystal clear, amazing? But on a cloudy day at the beach, what does it look like? Dull and gray. The light is the difference, right? Chew on that for just a moment. If you want to know what a taste is for, for, for what's to come. What scripture says is that you and I in eternity, that there will be uh, no more night. There will be no light or lamp or sun for the Lord will light, will be their light and will reign forever and ever. And I started to think about color. And as I looked at what color was and, and just the vividry of what is to be, uh, color takes three things. One, it takes your eyes. And we talked about with our new bodies that we will have eyes that are filled with what? With Jesus, right? And so, so everything that we see, we will see through the lens of the Almighty the King of kings and Lord of lords. So color takes eyes, something to receive it. It takes an object, right? Because the object has to reflect the light to hit your eyes. So it takes those three things. So imagine this, you and I have new eyes to see. Creation will surround us. But the colors of eternity will reflect the perfect, flawless light of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite stories uh, growing up, um, I am an Aggie, uh, if you don't know, and, and I, we love A&M. My kids aren't going there, so we're working on stuff still. <laughs> but it's not for lack of trying. Um, when Connor started school in, in kindergarten, you had to buy him a box of crayons, but I'm a little over the top. So we bought him like the big old awesome box, like with every crayon in it. And, and Christy worked in the school at the time. And she said, Connor came up to me like this today. And I said, Connor, what's in your shirt? And he said, well, they put a color in my box. Can I throw it away? And it was burnt orange. He didn't even want to touch it with his fingers. And I thought, there is a Lord. We love you. But with all the creativity that, that rests in the minds of color makers at Crayola. I mean, if you look online at just the, the vast array, it's every color the mind can conceive of. And that may be true, but all of those colors reflect a lesser light. Not Jesus Christ. And so what will heaven be like? We will see everything as it was made to be seen. Paul writes it this way and he writes it at the end of, of something weird because we want to disconnect it from the former. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is about love. Listen again in light of eternity. Love never ends. 
Prophecies, they'll pass away. Tongues, they'll stop. Knowledge, pass away. For what we know in part and prophesy in part, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I responded like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know fully, even as I was known. Church, what Scripture says is, your eyes won't have to be trained to take in what God has created and the beauty of the color and the textures of it. Your mind won't have difficulty processing because you'll see fully what's in front of you. <clears throat> Psalm 19, verse 1, tells us something that's already happening. The heaven declares your glory. The heavens of God declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And do you know how many nights we go to sleep not seeing that? In heaven, everything that we see proclaims it and we will receive it because God will illuminate our eyes and our light. So everything will be filled with his reflection. Man. No colors that are imperfect. So first, when we think about heaven, what will be, it will reflect the Lord's design. Secondly, everything will reflect the Lord's light. And thirdly is this, it all will be the Lord's place. And everything belongs to the earth, everything on a thousand of the cattle, uh, cattle on a thousand hills. But heaven will do it uniquely. Now go with me back to Revelation chapter 21, verse 22 to 27. We're going to read two passages of scripture, um, and this is potent. First of all, 22, chapter 21, verse 22 to 27 says this. And I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need for sun or moon or shine, to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will all the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut day and night, or shut by day, and there will be no night. That they will bring into the glory and the honor of the nations, the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor the one who does detestable things false, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's so much. But what scripture says is all the Lord's place. There's not a temple needed because he will be there with us. But in the midst of this, his city representing or landing in this area what scripture says is all the lands belong to him the kings will bring tributes in if you've ever tried to use the book of revelation and use all the measurements for the city to make what it's going to be the size of and look like you end up with a fixture that's very odd in fact i heard one person say if you were to look into that idea you'd almost have to look into the picture where the inside is larger than the outside but when we think about heaven 
we, we often wonder, so, so where is it going to be? Where's, how is it going to work? Where are we going to live? How, how does that happen? Well, the first thing we have to know is that all of the new heavens, all the new earth are the kingdom of God. Like there's nowhere where his kingdom is attacked. There is nowhere where there's a threat because there's nothing allowed there that is detestable or unclean. There's no one allowed there whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, everything is tribute. Everything is, is, is his. All of the people belong to him. So we're talking about a kingdom, not just a city. And that's what Jesus came to proclaim. The kingdom of God is at hand. He says these things to his disciples. In John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3, In my father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, or excuse me, what I've told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where you, I am, you may be also. So when you're thinking of what will my, my place be like, and I, I wanna get us away from that because is it a high-rise apartment? Is it a condominium? Is it a mansion? You know, what, what, are, we, what are we thinking about here? I, I've seen some pretty cool castles and pictures that might work out, you know? Um, what does scripture say well Jesus says in my father's house there are many rooms now here's the interesting thing the rooms mean dwelling places topos is the word or excuse me monet is the word and it means dwelling places so in the father's house there are many places to dwell and the word many can also be great. There are great places to dwell. That's why some people wrote mansions when they're interpreting. It's, a, it's the greatest place they could think of in their terminology. But what scripture just says is there are great places to dwell. Whether they are many, whether they are all awesome, reflecting the light of Christ, they would all be awesome. But this much and great thing. But, but this idea of what God has prepared is the word topos. It means a geographical area of vicinity. My father's house is the word topos. It means on my, in my father's house, in my father's household, on my father's land, on the things that my father owns because it's all his. There are many places to be. And so does that mean that some of you and I, that we could live close to one another? Sure. Does it mean that we could be spread out to a degree? Absolutely. Because what Jesus points to and what scripture points to is this, is that the Lord Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And when we are reunited with him and he makes all things new, that in his father's vicinity, wherever we live, we will not be off the father's land, separated from the father. And where we live will be a great place and there will be a lot of great places. So what will it be made of? Well, we'll have to find out. I don't think anyone's going to go to heaven and be like, God, I was expecting something more, to be quite honest. God would say, actually, you're just glad I let you in. You see, we have to be very careful when we think about heaven not to try to say, what will heaven do for me? Because that is the thought of brokenness and sin. When we think about heaven, 
our only filter is what will it be like to be with you so the land that you and I experience will be filled with the plans of God because they can't be thwarted that's what it will be like to be with Jesus on those lands what will we see we will see creation we will see things like that we have now but illuminated by the Lord where will we live we'll live on the father's property in a great place or great places Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 1 here's what we know we know that if the tent is our if, if the, excuse me for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed we have a building from God a house not made with human hands eternal in the heavens no one will build the place for you to live but the Lord himself he will have prepared it for you and when we think about these pictures when we think about these images I, I think about John's reaction John in prison after the Lord had shown him all of this stuff and the Lord just finally gives him a glimpse of heaven what it will look like verse 8 chapter 22 I John and the one who heard and I saw these things and when I heard them and saw them I fell down to worship I just fell down to worship now he fell down at the feet of the angel the angel's like whoa whoa you worship but not me but that is what a glimpse of heaven caused a prisoner suffering in chains so when you think about heaven I want you to know be prepared it will take your breath away let it as you dwell about where you will dwell, run freely with it, knowing that whatever you imagine falls short, so don't ask for what you want, but lean in to what he has. But I want you to know very clearly, verse 27, chapter 21, nothing unclean will ever into it nor anyone who does what's detestable or false but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life when the Lord says that he will allow people in he says to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. At the end of 21, he says, your name has to be in it. It has to be a gift. And so I don't know what tomorrow sparks your thoughts. I think the older that I get, the less impressed I get with tomorrow's. 
but the tomorrow of eternity that God has prepared for us, it becomes more and more exciting. And it's because I know that I was given a gift that it didn't pay for. And I am conquering because he lives, not because I'm good. And God has written my name in the book of life. So I know he's prepared this for me. This morning, if you do not know what God has prepared for you, if you're uncertain, at this point in time, I just encourage you to let the reality of heaven flood your mind. That being with Jesus, the only way, the only truth, the only life, he is the only one that holds the keys to the land keeps the door open for you and if you believe in your heart that he is the son of God and you confess that he is your Lord and God raised him from the dead the Bible says that you will be allowed in would you pray with me church Lord Jesus God we love you I know when we think about heaven Lord it would be cool to have a storybook pictures of heaven but the reality is even the storybook wouldn't work because the light is dim where we live so thank you for knowing better God I praise you that we have a place where your plans will be fulfilled completely your purposes will reign and your light will illuminate Father we praise you for providing a place for us So Lord, I just ask that these words and pictures fill our minds. Lord, that you would put on our hearts a land that we were made for and didn't even know how to articulate it until we get there. Lord, that we would seek you moment by moment, day by day. For the believers in this room, for the Christians, Lord, let it drive their feet. Let it open their lips. Lord, for those who do not know you, God, I pray in this moment that you would write their name in the book of life because they are receiving or have received your free gift of salvation and given all that they are for all that you are. In Jesus' name.